In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool too. With an ice cold cold brew, and not just any cold brew, but one that's slow steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. The world is always on. But you shouldn't be. Put junk sleep to bed. At Mattress Firm's Black Friday Now Sale, save up to 60% on Sealy with queen mattresses starting at $279.99. Talk to a sleep expert today and unjunk your sleep. Welcome back to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. And this week, we have a bit of a strange episode, I think. Um, Something a little bit more fun, I suppose. It's a bit gory, but uh, it's a bit fun. Um, We put a picture up on the Facebook group of a head, basically. It's a head with a spike through the middle of it. And a people of you, well, a few of you had uh, a few guesses. Few people had a few guesses, and unfortunately, nobody got it right. And it's probably because this is a story you've never heard. So, some of the guesses: Vlad the Impaler, brilliant story, uh, one that I will be covering at some point. Um, for those of you who don't know, Vlad the Impaler was the original story. Of Dracula, uh, it was a real person, and that's where the the stories of Dracula come from. From Vlad the Impaler, uh, brilliant story, something we will cover at some point. Um, shrunken head, yeah, I mean, it, it essentially it is it is a shrunken head, um, or corporate headhunters. Uh, I don't know if that's a joke because headhunters in this country are people who look for. Um, people to join their business not not uh, actually hunting for heads i'm digressing this week our subject is actually oliver cromwell's head now we look back through history and we look at mummified bodies and we look at things like that no head has had more of a journey than oliver cromwell's and you might be wondering, for those of you who have listened to the previous episode, why is Oliver Cromwell's head so important? And didn't he get buried uh, at Westminster Abbey? So how have we got his head and not the rest of his body? Well, we shall go through the story. I'll do a quick recap, just a quick one, for those of you who haven't listened to the previous episodes and were just intrigued by the name of this one. Oliver Cromwell was a politician uh, during the 1600s and he was the man who was 
basically behind the uh, regicide or the killing of King Charles the, the King Charles the first now this came after the English Civil War so for those of you who are interested in the English Civil War you'll need to go back and listen to those two episodes and Oliver Cromwell took over after the Civil War now, he took over as Lord Protector he wouldn't take the title of King and he was basically in charge of England Ireland Scotland and Wales um, for a few years it was actually Lord Protector for five years until he was succeeded by his son Queen Dick and we call him Queen Dick because his name was Richard and he was shit so he was called Queen Dick uh, he wasn't a very good ruler and it didn't take long for people to overthrow uh, Richard Cromwell and want the king back in place now the king that they wanted back was King Charles I's son King Charles II when he came back to England from exile he had a few gripes to be honest he was a bit pissed off he'd been in exile for 11 years after the death of his father and England had been ruled for 11 years without a king he wasn't very impressed and he wanted a bit of retribution for the regicide of his father or the killing of his father King Charles I so what he did was he rounded up 12 men who supported the execution of his father in 1649 all 12 men were found guilty um, let's be honest there was no other way they were going to be found anything other than guilty because the king had rounded them up himself they were found guilty of regicide and the punishment for regicide in 1660 was hang draw and quarter so for those of you who don't know uh, you may have listened to the Guy Fawkes episode this is what was supposed to happen to Guy Fawkes uh, but Guy Fawkes climbed the scaffold and jumped so he actually survived the pain um, essentially the rest of the process Guy Fawkes had to go through um, these 12 men were not as savvy as Guy Fawkes they didn't climb the scaffold and break their neck um, they stayed alive sorry about that it's a motorbike going past and I'm in a hotel so I've got the window open because, uh, like I said in my last episode, it's fucking hot in England, so I need the window open to let some air in. So I do apologise for the sound of traffic. Um, can't normally hear it when you get idiots like that on motorbikes revving the bollocks off them. They, they're pretty loud. So, um, digressing again. Basically, these 12 men were subject to possibly one of the worst deaths that England could possibly give out. For those of you who don't know, I'm just going to go through... A little bit of an explanation on what hang, draw, and quarter actually meant. Firstly, the men would be stripped naked, tied to a plank of wood, and dragged through London on horseback. They would be then taken to one of the gallows in London, normally it was Tyburn, um, and hung by the neck. Now, this wasn't a snap neck hanging, this was a slow, uh, painful hanging. Um, that would last quite a long time they would actually be hung just to the point of consciousness um, so they would be hung sometimes it could be anything up to five minutes before they would actually nearly pass out at the point of almost dying they were then cut down from the scaffold they were then pinned 
or nailed into a table in front of everybody or in front of the crowd. Um, they would have the bottom of their stomach cut open and their bowels and intestines removed whilst they were still alive. They would then have their balls and cock cut off. Um, so what we call demasculating. Um, this is again in front of everybody and whilst they are awake. They were then put on a block and beheaded and just to make it even more fun whilst they were beheaded their headless body would have four ropes one attached to each limb and each attached to a horse and each horse would run in a different direction and pull that body into pieces and that was the punishment for these 12 men unfortunately for Charles II this wasn't something he could do for Oliver Cromwell because Oliver Cromwell was already dead by the time he came back to England. But you might be wondering, why is this episode about Oliver Cromwell's head? How does that make sense? Well, I'll tell you what. The king couldn't get hold of Oliver Cromwell. couldn't punish him because he was already dead. So what he did was he dug up the corpse of Oliver Cromwell and he hung it. Proper execution-style hanging in London in front of a crowd. He was already dead, by the way, but they... You know, he decided, I can't do it, so I'm going to, I'm going to make a, a spectacle of his corpse. And that's what he did. Hung him in London, in front of everyone. He was up there for uh, a few days, hanging, just hanging, swinging in the wind. No one cut him down, no one was allowed. Um, they then cut him down and beheaded him. They beheaded a corpse. The body was thrown in a ditch somewhere, but the story of Oliver Cromwell's head starts there. The first thing that happened with Oliver Cromwell's decapitated corpse head, it was put on a spike in Westminster Hall. It was put up there in 1661. The head remained there for 20 years uh, until 1681 when it was removed for maintenance purposes only. It was then placed back on the spike and it remained there again. Now, Charles II died in 1685, but the head stayed above Westminster Hall. The next king of England was James II. Now, James II wanted to keep the head up there. It was a, a reminder of what had happened. It was a reminder of the punishment for regicide. And the head stayed up there now quite early in his reign they reckon around 1688 um, London was hit by quite a big storm and the head fell off the spike and landed in the streets of London James II was the son of Charles I uh, not Charles II by the way so he was actually Charles II's younger brother and his father Charles I was executed by Oliver Cromwell so he had the same attachment to this head as Charles did he wanted that head back and he set up a big reward for the return of the head now there is only circumstantial evidence to suggest where the head went as according to the legends it was found in the streets of London by a guardsman or a soldier who took the head 
and placed it inside his chimney and it remained there when the king offered a reward everybody in london was searching for this head and the guardsman was probably too scared to actually tell people he had it even though there was a reward um because he'd then have to admit that he stole it in the first place which was probably not a good idea to admit that you've stolen something that's that valuable to the king of england the head found its way in 1710 to a museum collector or curator as they would be called now but back then it was just a a collector of weird things that they wanted to show um it was a swiss gentleman called claudius dupoy um, and he had the head in his exhibition in his museum and funnily enough it was probably the most popular attraction in london in 1710 it stayed in his collection until he passed away in 1738 now after his death the head sort of went missing for a few years it was then found or shown uh, in the possession of a man named samuel russell now samuel russell was supposedly a distant relative of oliver cromwell however he was what we would call the town drunk uh, or the village idiot or whatever you want to call him um so we don't know how he became in possession of it uh, it's speculated that after dupoy died uh, he purchased the head now he didn't he wasn't a poor man he he was just a drunkard so it's possible that he had the funds to purchase the head samuel russell was not a good owner of cromwell's head um in fact because he was a drunk and because he had house parties and things like that this was his centerpiece he used to bring it out and show people when he was drunk um it got damaged it had quite a bit of damage done to it um irreparable damage um in certain aspects it was almost unrecognizable as cromwell's head after samuel russell had possession of it russell ran out of money and tried to sell the head he tried to sell it to uh, sydney sussex uh, school and um, because that's where oliver cromwell attended school um but as i'm sure you can imagine the school was not really interested in buying a deformed decapitated head on a spike it just wasn't really that interesting for them and he wasn't able to sell it there was however a purchaser or a buyer of the head his name was james cox he was a uh, toy maker goldsmith um, entrepreneur from london um, and he bought cromwell's head off uh, of him for roughly five and a half thousand pounds in today's money um so not you know not bad but you know you can imagine this is a hundred years after oliver cromwell has died and this is the only thing left of a man who ruled england uh unequivocally for five years and unofficially for 11 years um you know possibly one of the most famous men in english history you would think his head was worth a little bit more than five and a half grand but desperate for money russell sold it and and that's what he got that's that's the amount that he he received for the sale of oliver cromwell's deformed head 
James Cox actually made a profit on Oliver Cromwell's head. He sold it a couple of years later um, to a group of three brothers who wanted Oliver Cromwell's head as part of an antiquities museum, so like a weird a weird museum. So it's not, not like you'd see nowadays. These were museums that had like just weird stuff. I, mean, I can't even imagine off the top of my head. But things like a 110-year-old decapitated head of the Lord Protector of England. That's the sort of shit they had in these museums. Um, they actually he actually sold it for seven and a half thousand pounds. So he made a two thousand pound profit. Um, these this is equivalent money. I don't know the exact amounts uh, then, but equivalent money. Uh, you know, he made a two thousand pound profit for nothing really, which is not bad. Unfortunately for these three brothers, their museum, their plan uh, failed. They advertised it pretty well. They did lots of flyers around London, um, showing off uh, the fact that they had Oliver Cromwell's head, but it didn't work. You know, it didn't take off. They they didn't make any money out of it, and the head was passed down as a family heirloom. It was passed to one of the the gentleman's daughters. Uh, she looked after it, but again, she was trying to sell it on. It's not really something that she wanted. Um, she tried to sell it to museums, to schools, to collectors, things like that, um, but with no avail. She actually did manage to sell the head in 1815 to a man named Josiah Henry Wilkinson. Now, he wanted it as a family heirloom, not something he was going to, to use anything with it. He wasn't going to sell it. He just wanted to pass it down from generation to generation as something cool for his family to have. Uh, now, it was an undisclosed fee, so we don't know how much he paid for it, um, but I can assume that it probably wasn't a lot of money because at this point in time, you're talking 160 years after the death of Oliver Cromwell. We don't really know if it is his head or, or what, it, you know, the value of it is not it's not as good as it was the day it was locked off uh, Westminster uh, sorry off um, Westminster Hall the head stayed in that family it was passed down for over 150 years it was passed down from generation to generation and many tests were done you know they they tested this they had scientific analysis on it and they tested to make sure that it was actually Oliver Cromwell's head that they purchased or that was their family heirloom and after extensive research analysis and etc etc in 1930 a nine page document was produced to confirm the validity of the head and it was Oliver Cromwell's head that had been passed down through this family for a hundred years uh, or 120 years at that point um, and 220 230 40 years since it had been cut off the shoulders of a dead body so quite an impressive feat for a head to even still be around at this time now in 1957 the man who owned the head was named horace wilkinson and he died and passed it on to his son who was also named horace wilkinson this horace wilkinson decided that enough was enough and this head need to be laid to rest and that's exactly what he did and on the 25th of March 1960 
he got approval from Sydney Sussex College to bury Oliver Cromwell's head at or on their grounds. So Oliver Cromwell's head was placed into a box in 1960 and buried somewhere in Sydney Sussex College. This is the college that Oliver Cromwell attended and in that or on that day that was the end of Oliver Cromwell's decapitated head. A head that was removed from a corpse in 1661 was buried in a college in England in 1960 so 299 years Oliver Cromwell's head was passed around from people to people and it was finally laid to rest nearly 300 years after it was cut off his body so yeah quite an interesting story it's a very short story but I thought you guys would enjoy it because it's something a bit different I suppose like I said it was a bit gory especially uh, talking about the executions is a bit strange that uh, you know a head was passed around in England for 300 years uh, I will make one thing clear this head was treated uh, at burial uh, originally as uh, a king so he was embalmed and this is not uh, just like a decapitating head corpse it was embalmed um, and it was treated um, at very royal in, in the original sort of funeral procession of Oliver Cromwell. So uh, for those of you who are imaginating, uh, imaginating, that's not even a word, imagining um, a decapitating, decomposing skull, you are wrong. It, that's not what it is. Um, it is, you know, an embalmed head. That's why it has managed to last 300 years, but still a bit strange. But yeah, so somewhere on in that college in London, uh, well, Sussex, uh, you can find Oliver Cromwell's head. And if someone digs it up, then the story will carry on. But I don't think that will happen. Um, I think they, they probably uh, took the location uh, to their grave. It's quite a big college and... Yeah, I don't think it's uh, something that people are going to find very easily, and especially when you know you're not allowed on the ground. So, um, is potential one day, but I think it's uh, pretty conclusive that's where he will lay till the end of time, as far as we're concerned. But that is uh, the story of Oliver Cromwell's head, and it does round off our episodes regarding the English Civil War and Oliver Cromwell. So I do hope you guys have enjoyed that. And if you have just come to listen to this one because it's a, a funky title and something a little bit, you know, interesting for you on a, on, a, on a podcast that you've probably not heard before. I can't imagine there is many podcasts out there about Oliver Cromwell's head. Um, then by all means, go back and listen to the last the last few episodes. You'll learn a little bit more about the Lord Protector Oliver Cromwell and you'll learn a little bit more about the English Civil War. It's very interesting as far as I'm concerned, and something that we're not taught enough about in schools. We're not taught very much about the English Civil War, and we're not taught very much about Oliver Cromwell, unless we actually physically research it ourselves. Now, I don't really know why that is, but I know every country has things they don't teach their kids, and this is something I think we should be teaching i think it's uh, an important part of our history but hey what do i know i'm i'm no longer a history teacher 
I just do a podcast and deliver fish for a living. So, um, you know, my opinion doesn't matter, but I will continue to educate people in ways that I feel are appropriate and I will teach history the way I think it should be taught to my lovely followers and listeners uh, that are you guys. And for those of you who are interested, as far as I am aware, I have had emails from Apple. Apple subscription should be going live sometime in June. As soon as I know more about that, I shall get that sorted and you guys will be able to join me on Apple subscription. What you will find is all of these episodes will be going on to Apple subscription without adverts. So you will get access to every single show without the bloody adverts because I hate the adverts. But I have to have them on there because that's part of podcasting. Um, so unless I get myself a paid adverts, so if any of you guys are interested in advertising through my show, uh, we do have roughly 1,500 listeners every week. Um, get in touch with me. I'm quite happy to do a little bit of a shout out for um, certain businesses. I'm quite happy to do that. Um, that's not a begging clause, by the way. I'm just putting it out there because then I can remove the adverts that they put on there and replace it with ones that are actually better for my show. So for those of you who know anything about that, get get in touch with me. Uh, Facebook, uh, we're on there, This Week in History, and you can get hold of me via email, twihpod at gmail.com. Failing that, get yourselves over to Apple subscription or if you don't have Apple, we are still keeping Patreon. Patreon does give you access to all of the other shows that are on there. And at the moment, we have just covered the Yorkshire Ripper. Um, and from the feedback I've had, it is possibly one of the best episodes I have done. So for those of you who are into your true crime and your serial killers, for just $5 a month, you can listen to the stories um, that I will be telling of serial killers. Uh, there are other episodes on there. We have covered people like Al Capone, Bonnie and Clyde, John Gotti, um, the Cray Twins, uh, covered Winston Churchill. There's been a lot of things put on there. Even Dick Turpin is on there, one of the most famous highwaymen uh, ever to grace England. And we have been covering serial killers in England as well. And the last episode we covered, like I said, was the Yorkshire Ripper. Very, very interesting. And get yourselves over to Patreon to listen to those episodes. They, it is $5 a month, um, which gets you access to all those shows. We are putting uh, new shows up on Patreon every month. Um, aiming to get two a month now. I have been doing one a month. I am aiming to get two a month up there. Um, it's just been very, very busy, very difficult to get things recorded at the moment. And if you fancy a bit of a laugh and you're, you know, you, you'd enjoy your serious podcast, but you fancy a bit of a laugh, bit of fun, get yourselves over to my new podcast, which is Absolute Poppycock. Um, you can get that on all of your um, podcasting applications. Get yourselves over there. Listen to me and Lee. Have a bit of banter. Have a bit of fun and cover things that we're not going to cover in our normal podcasts. Uh, a lot more swearing, a lot more fun jokes um things like that so yeah that's very interesting i know some of you guys have come across already um but for for those of you who haven't what are you doing get yourselves over to absolute poppycock just have a listen let me know what you think if it's not for you do me a favor 
let me know why it's not for you. Is it the too much swearing? Is it not funny? Do you not like the British sense of humour? Um, anything. Just let me know because, uh, like I said, this is a new podcast for both of us. And if we can improve that anyway, it's just going to benefit me and Lee. So I'm quite happy to take on any feedback. But back to this week in history. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And remember, we all have history. Make yours great. Bye-bye. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool too. With an ice cold cold brew, and not just any cold brew, but one that's slow steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Geico presents Daily Affirmations. Repeat after me. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts create our reality. Our thoughts create our reality. We're thinking Geico offers claim service 24-7 with personalized attention from an assigned team. Geico offers claim service? Um, I wasn't thinking that. We think it and it becomes our reality. So, uh, what about washboard abs? Let's give it a go. Think really hard. Okay, abs, abs, abs. Yep, keep thinking. To manifest more Geico in your life, go to geico.com. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool too. With an ice cold cold brew, and not just any cold brew, but one that's slow steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a stuntman to do their home renovations. Just finished the new sunroom, Mrs. C. The best part is I used candy glass for all the windows, so you can do this. And this. Doesn't hurt a bit either. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. And if you don't want to take the long way to the kitchen, the walls are breakaway too. See? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today.